What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Boston Celtics select Jason Tatum from Duke University. Brown on the break for the Celtics. Goes around the world. Oh, the circus game in a Boston. Walker for three. Kemba Walker from downtown. Tatum drives down. Let's throw it down. Wow. Rebound. Gordon Hayward for two. Gordon Hayward with a corner crash. No block. What's going on, everybody? My name is Tom Westerholm. I'm the Celtics beat writer from MassLive.com. I'm joined by Nicole Yang of the Boston Globe. And we are really excited to bring you guys the Geno Time podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Nicole, uh, we're recording this uh, inaugural episode at a very strange time in NBA history. Really, the uh, league is suspended. No games are happening for at least a month. What has been your reaction to the last 24 hours where, you know, 30 hours ago, NBA basketball games were being played. Now we're wondering if there's going to be a rest of the season. What, you know, what's uh, stood out to you? Um, I think I'm still processing just how quickly everything escalated in the past 48 hours. I mean, I think earlier this week, it's only Thursday, earlier this week, we thought maybe tomorrow's originally scheduled Celtics Wizards game at TD Garden was going to be played with no fans, but now it's like there's no NBA basketball for at least 30 days. Um, So definitely been kind of shocking to just see how quickly um, the league was able to take action, how quickly they were able to take like the highest action and just shutting everything down. And I mean, all it took was for one player to test positive. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you and I have talked about this, but the I think the strangest thing has been watching the shift in attitude in two weeks ago. We were talking to players, maybe even a week ago, we were talking to players in the locker room and nobody was concerned about it. Everybody was just kind of in this Superman mindset of like, you know, it's obviously I'm washing my hands a little bit more. I might not be signing as many autographs. I might be giving fewer high fives and more fist bumps. And, you know, that obviously depended on the player. But it is uh it's very different now every front office person every player that you know i've reached out to over the last you know 24 hours has been like very serious very locked down like nobody wants to say anything nobody wants to speak out of turn the situation grew very very serious very very quickly and that has been like kind of jarring quite honestly to to see it all come together that quickly like guys are genuinely concerned now and that was not the case I don't think you know 48 hours ago yeah like you said in casual conversations with players everyone seemed to be like yeah we're listening to the Celtics had a doctor come in and sort of advise them against various um, precautions to help protect against the coronavirus but um, 
they've just been listening to what the doctor said. So they're trying to wash their hands more. Like nobody seemed that concerned. And like, I'm not trying to be a rat and I'm not going to throw every player under the bus, but sorry, Javante Green. Um, I was talking to him sort of just about his thoughts on coronavirus, what he was doing. Javante is a player that very much enjoys interacting with the fans and sort of goes out of his way, I would say, more than other players to sort of talk to them, high five them, like dribble the ball with them, etc. So I was like, are you going to cut back on that at all? And he was like, no. And then I, he also, so Javante for, I don't know how long, but he has not had like his own toiletries for quite some time now in the locker room. Like he at one point had his own lotion, deodorant and everything else, but I guess never decided to replenish them. So he has been using Jason Tatum's deodorant and lotion and Jason Tatum's locker is just like two down from his. And it's never been an issue like, they maybe like poke fun at him or like they mess around, but like they've been totally fine with it. So I asked him like whether he might cut back on using Tatum's lotion given the coronavirus concerns and all that stuff. And he looked at me and gave me like a little face and was like, no, like he literally didn't care. But I feel like if I asked him the same exact question tomorrow, knowing that a player, two players have tested positive, um, he might give a different response now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I talked to Gordon Hayward earlier this week, and again, I am absolutely not throwing, well, I guess this was about a week and a half ago, I'm not throwing Gordon under the bus at all here. He was was talking about how the flu kills more people every year and, and all this kind of stuff that was very much a part of the national conversation at the time. And, you know, that's, again, that's, that's not to to say that Gordon Hayward was misinformed or anything like that. That's just literally how people were talking about this a week ago. And now, yeah, I mean, the NBA does not shut down over the flu. This is much, much more serious than that. And, you know, I think that obviously Gordon, he he gave different comments. He talked to Steve Bulpett of the Boston Herald and, you know, was just talking about how concerning this all is and how, you know, he's a little nervous for, for Robin and the girls and, and he doesn't want, you know, them to get it. Like, that's that's how quickly this whole conversation shifted. And I do think, you know, people were really going at Rudy Gobert over this and he deserves it to an extent. He was clearly acting like an idiot. He should not have touched all those, you know, recorders for the reporters or anything like that. He definitely was making some bad decisions. But, you know, Adrian Wojnarowski tweeted that jazz players privately say that Rudy Gobert has been careless in the locker room, touching other players and their belongings. That's not that uncommon. These guys live in a very communal space. They are around each other all the time. They share toiletries. You know, if a guy's about to go in the shower, he might be like, who's got soap? Like, you know, that they share a lot of this stuff. And I think the, the real positive here is that only one other player on the Utah Jazz tested positive when it really feels like one player could infect a whole lot of people just based on the logistics of the NBA. Definitely. And it was... It's crazy to me that – so Donovan Mitchell was the other jazz player, and he was uh, fully healthy, like ready yeah. to play th- uh, Wednesday night if the game was going to be held. Gobert was ruled out with an illness, but Mitchell like would have started and played the game, and that's wild that he – and this isn't to his fault or anyone's fault, but it's just wild that that could have happened, and then who knows if anyone on the Thunder got it and then the domino effect from there. Yeah, 100%. I mean, 
I was. I don't know. You weren't watching the game last night. I wasn't watching uh, OKC Utah until I started seeing tweets start to pour in about like what's going on in this game. And you know, I turned it on. It was just. It was really eerie and kind of creepy to watch this. Like nobody knew what was happening. It kind of reminded me of in Las Vegas when that earthquake hit last summer, um, and everybody just kind of evacuated the building after not being sure what to do. Nobody was quite sure what was going on. Like the, you know, the mascot was at half court tossing like half court shots over his head. And then eventually they, you know, they decided to shut the game down and the, you know, the broadcaster, or the, uh, the arena announcer got on the, got on the speakers and was like, you know, everybody, everybody leave, but you're safe. So make sure to leave carefully. Like if I'm in that arena and I hear the announcer say you're safe, but you need to leave. I don't feel a whole lot better. So it was, it was a creepy night. And I, you know, I'm glad that all the, uh, that as far as we know, all the jazz beat writers, uh, tested, did not test positive for coronavirus, but you know, you and I were around Rudy Gobert relatively recently. And that really kind of hammered at home. Like he was in Boston five days before he tested positive to me that, that really hammered home. Like this can happen. Like this is, you know, this this is real and everybody needs to be really careful and it was it really was kind of a an eye-opening moment i felt like right because like rudy gobert i think espn showed a graphic that basically connected him to every nba team and then every nba team has employees beat writers people that come in contact with the players on a daily basis who then come into contact with people in their personal lives and just like when you think about that ripple effect, it gets sort of unnerving. And I think the reason why, like sort of to what Jalen Brown was saying in his Instagram live is like, you don't really care about things until they actually affect you. And you hear about like Biogen employees or other people getting the virus, but unless there's like a direct connection to you, it's sort of difficult to comprehend for some people, including myself. But then once you see like a direct line to yourself, you sort of recognize just how severe the situation is. Yeah. So to me, the biggest question that kind of remains is like, okay, so the NBA clearly made the right decision to shut down games like this needed to happen. They had their patient zero. They've got their guy who's sick. They had to do this. It feels to me like they waited too long. Like they waited until a guy got sick to do this. And I understand why, because again, the national conversation shifted in like 24 hours. And, you know, there's, you know, plenty of people in this country and, you know, plenty of people who are pretty high up in this country who who have not taken it very seriously. Now that everybody is taking it seriously, it feels like obviously all the other leagues shut down in the wake of the NBA. This, this probably should have happened earlier, right? For sure. And it's, I, would be so interested to see how long it would have taken for the leagues to shut down and whether there would have been anything else that could have like sparked the leagues to shut down other than a player literally contracting the virus. Um, I don't know if there would be anything, but the ideas that were getting thrown around for the temporary solution, temporary solutions did not seem feasible. Like the neutral third party site seemed like such a bad idea uh, I just I am... imagine thinking that bringing infected guys into a non-infected area was a good idea. <laughs> so the leagues all obviously needed to be shut down. I don't know if there was anything else that could have made them shut down other than a player literally testing positive for the virus. But obviously, you hope that that doesn't happen. But it's definitely like a net positive 
for society, the NBA. It avoids, I think, a PR nightmare for the league that already had to deal with the China situation. Now they've made the right call in a pretty timely fashion and avoided any sort of other tricky spots for the time being. Yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's a good point. Like this, like the, especially the China situation, they needed to, uh, you know, they needed to act quickly and, and, and try to take care of this right away. Yeah. I mean, the wildest thing is the, the amount of damage that the league might have avoided just because Rudy Gobert was kind of being an idiot. Like they really could have, I mean, like you said, like there were, there's a lot of nightmare scenarios that did not happen. The league is now shut down. Everybody's in quarantine. The Celtics like just got back from Milwaukee today and they've all been advised to self quarantine just to, just to stay away from everything. I mean, the league may have, you know, kind of sidestepped a really, really serious situation just by, again, it sounds like Rudy Gobert is going to be, is, is fine. He's going to be fine. Like that's, that's all great news. Really glad to hear that. And maybe, you know, maybe him being an idiot kind of helped the league out a little bit. Like it, I know that's weird to say, but it, it kind of feels that way. Yeah. Cause they were, the way things were trending, so many cities were coming out with bands of large gatherings, yet NBA games are still allowed to take place. It was just, it was not heading in the right direction. So now the Celtics, like you said, were instructed to self quarantine through the weekend. During that time, all players will be tested as well as staff that came in contact with Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, as well as anybody else exhibiting symptoms. So hopefully like these measures and across the sports world too, will sort of help in just like mitigating the spread. I think uh, the last point on this that I want to make is a big shout out to the New York Knicks who uh, I want to say like a few hours before Rudy Gobert tested positive came out apparently according to Adrian Wojnarowski they were the one team that wanted to keep the status quo until there was a public mandate and uh in the state of New York a state of emergency had been declared 4 days before that so you know as always shout out to the Knicks they're uh they're just the best um we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the more Celtic centric stuff like Nicole mentioned earlier Jalen Brown had some really good stuff to say so when we come back we'll get to all that ever wonder why traditional button-ups look so long and baggy that's because they were never meant to be worn that way untucked shirts were specifically designed to be worn untucked no matter your size or shape their shirts are the perfect untucked length with more than 50 fit combinations, Untuck It shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. Don't just take my word for it. Try Untuck It for yourself. Visit untuckit.com and use the code BLUEWIRE for 20% off your first order. They even offer free shipping and returns on all orders in the U.S. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T dot com and promo code BLUEWIRE for 20% off your first order. So on Wednesday, before Gobert was diagnosed with coronavirus, Jalen Brown went on Instagram Live, and he had a lot of really good things to say about the situation, about how seriously people needed to take it, about what steps they needed to take to avoid, uh, you know, sort of passing the this pandemic along. And I felt like it was it's worth touching on just what he what he said. You tweeted out a, a video of it, and you know it's. It's good stuff, and especially it's it's good stuff that really holds up well, um, you know, in light of everything that happened since. What stood out to you about what Jalen had to say? 
Yeah, so Jalen um, sent out, I think, like five tweets earlier in the day on Wednesday just talking about how everybody can play a role in slowing down the spread of coronavirus. And he really wanted to hammer the point that, like, we should not dismiss this. And I think that was sort of the crux of his Instagram Live was just, like, raising awareness, telling people what they can do, and just, like, emphasizing this is real, like, this is happening, and it's severe, and we need to take action. So he mentioned, like, we need to wash our hands, we need to engage in social distancing if you can, and we need to be aware that just because the virus doesn't affect you individually as a person, it can affect plenty of other people if you don't take the necessary precautions. So I found his message really interesting. I thought it was exceptionally interesting that he went live around 9 p.m. And this was before the NBA had announced the season was suspended. And he was sort of hitting on points that all looked like so much clearer once the NBA had um, suspended the season. Like the quote that I tweeted out was, this is urgent. The way they stop viruses is by shutting things down. And that's correct. Um, I also found it a little funny slash ironic that his IG live was going basically at the same time as Trump's um, address and Mm -hmm. he handled it much better than the president. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, and and that was actually something that Jalen brought him up in, in one of what I thought was one of his better points. Um, you know, the, the quote was even our, you know, what Jalen, the point Jalen was making was if you've been joking about this, like, don't feel bad because a lot of people have been joking about this, including, you know, the leader of the country. And Jalen's exact quote was even our president, he's been dismissing it and throwing it under the bus and not making it a big deal. That's another conversation. Our president is another conversation for another time, but please, please people have the decency to be aware, to be mature about what's going on, not to laugh and joke about it. And I just thought that was such an such a good point and something that gets lost a lot in, you know, the discourse online is look, like you if you're wrong, it's okay to say I was wrong, let me correct myself. And that that was kind of what he was saying. It was like, look, it's it's okay if you've been joking about it. A lot of people have. Stop it. Like it's not funny. Like, you know, just stop now and and start really taking this seriously because, you know, you need to wash your hands. You need to protect the people around you. You need to, if, you know, if there's, you know, elderly people in your life, if there's immunocompromised people in your life, you need to protect those people. And that was the point that Jalen was trying to make. So I just, I I felt like that was, you know, really smart, um, you know, a a really good, uh, you know, thing for him to bring up. And, you know, I, I thought the other thing that, that was interesting, he is, a globally minded person like he he likes to travel he likes to to think about other countries and other situations and i don't think it's a coincidence that you know necessarily that that a guy like him may have seen something on northern italy and may have seen the situation there and and how bad it is getting and that he wanted to bring up a point and make a difference you know in our country before it gets to that point I don't, I don't, you know, he's the type of person who would notice that and and might, um, you, you know, might want to make a point there. Totally. And I think it's important. Like, I don't follow every NBA player on social media, obviously, but I feel like he was one of the few um, to actually, like, take a stand, like a strong stand before the league suspended play. Um, and they should use their platforms for those purposes because really how this virus is going to stop is by people like taking action. Like if we all continue to operate the way we normally operate and just go about our daily business, 
the virus will continue to spread and get out of control. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's the lesson that the NBA learned. Like, you know, things have to change drastically. You have to make tough decisions. You have to, you know, do drastic things if you want to slow down this literal pandemic. So I thought that was really smart by Jalen. Um <laughs> I am curious, you know, Jalen is a, you know, he's a thoughtful guy. He's a smart guy. He's very interesting. He's interested in the world around him. He now has 30 days off to at at least, you know, not off, off, like guys can still work out, you know, eventually guys will be able to go back to practice, but he has 30 days quarantined by himself. What do you think Jalen Brown is going to do for the next, you know, 30 days? Um, Jalen's probably going to read a lot. Jalen's probably going to meditate. He's, He's definitely going to meditate. <laughs> going to check in with his Zodiac sign and see <laughs> what the recommendations are there. I do think it is funny might not be the right word, but I just I am amused by the fact that if the league had shut down for any other reason other than like a health emergency for 30 days, there is no way that the Celtics would be staying in Boston right now. They would be like they would be in Miami, L.A. Like Jalen might be traveling, who knows? But <laughs> I, yeah, I think it is interesting that they do all have to stay. Players are recommended or mandated to stay in their home market, so they'll all be around. Um, it's funny to think about what they might be up to, but I imagine a lot of workouts will still be happening once their self quarantine time finishes, as long as. Um, no players test positive. Yeah, so the Celtics are are allowed to. Um, they're still. I think they're still allowed to work out. For right now, it is apparently it's if they're at the practice facility, it is one player and one coach per basket. And so, yeah, I mean, there won't be any one on one. There won't be any two on two. Anything like that. It'll just be. I assume it'll just be getting shots up and then you know lifting that kind of thing and. I, you know, they'll have to keep everything clean. Like they can't have, um, you know, Shemi Ojale hop on the bench press and then have Gordon Hayward hop on it right after him. Like you can't really be doing that. I also think that there's going to be a lot of video games played. Like these guys, a lot of these guys are gamers. There's a big group of them who like to, you know, play Call of Duty. Uh, Rob Williams one time described it to me as a way, you know, these guys are friends, but they're around each other way too much. So it's a nice chance for them to be alone, have the, you know, the privacy of their own home, but they're able to still kind of, you know, be with people and talk to people and like they don't have to like see the guy's face that they see every freaking day. So I think that um, there will there'll be a big collection of guys who are who just play a whole lot of video games over the next little while. Um, what do you think? Uh, what do you think Gordon Hayward will be up to? Um, definitely spending time with the fam, his three daughters, and his pregnant wife, Robin. Um, Robin actually sent out an Instagram story asking for, like, TV show and movie recommendations. So it looks like they might be watching some TV or movies. Um, what would you recommend to Robin? (laughs) So, I would, uh, I I hope they have Hulu. I would assume that that Gordon Hayward's $30 million deal can cover, uh, ad-free Hulu. I would go with Letterkenny. Uh, that's that's one of my uh, one of my favorites recently. It's a uh, it's a Canadian. Uh, it's it's very funny. Uh, wh- what do you got? Um, if she has not watched Love Is Blind, she should one thousand percent binge that. All right, all right. Yeah, Letterkenny might be more of a Gordon show than a, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. Uh, so 
they'll hopefully get some uh, get some family time. I will say I have a I have a two year old as well. It is uh, there there that definitely helps with you know some of the uh, the boredom. Like you know that they definitely keep you pretty busy. So I can't imagine what it's like with three kids and another on the way. They're uh, much more ambitious than I am. But shout out to them for that. Um, one player that definitely is going to be. I mean, I'm sure all of them will struggle with self-quarantine in their own way. But Grant Williams has got to be, like, craving, like, conversation. He is an extremely extroverted dude. <laughs> like, poor guy. All he wants to do is just play board games. I mean, you know, there's ways to obviously play games online, and hopefully he can find a, you know, a good uh, competition for Settlers of Catan. But, yeah, that uh, if anybody is going to have a tough time of it here, it's it's definitely Grant Williams. So I guess one of the more interesting questions now is is how long is this going to last? Because, you know, Adam Silver said 30 days at least. I could easily see it going longer than that. And, you know, when you just start to examine all of the things that the NBA is going to have to do to try to get this thing back under control, this could really go for quite some time. Like, this is not something that's going to be resolved anytime soon. You know, I know this is an unfair question to just kind of toss at you, but like, Nicole, how long do you think this is going to last? <laughs> I think Adam Silver made a really good point when he said this literally changes hour by hour in terms of what we know. So what I think will happen tomorrow could be completely different what I think is going to happen like a week from now. So, I mean, right now it's what, March 12th. So mm-hmm. the playoffs were scheduled to start in just over a month. Um, I... Comparing it to the Chinese Basketball Association, they suspended play in January and, like, are just getting ready to resume play now, I believe. So that was, like, at, I guess, roughly, like, 30 days, a month and a half or so. So, I mean, if we're playing in July, does that mean they're going to truncate the rest of the regular season? Are we going to finish out the regular season and then start the playoffs? Like, it, there's just so many unknowns, and the situation just seems so fluid right now. Definitely. I mean, there, and there's so many interesting aspects of it, too. Like, at what point do they let fans back in? Like, would they start games back up before they do that? Because I think that would make a lot of sense. You know, there's there, there's the situation is really weird for teams who are about to make the playoffs because, you know, like, could the NBA just start the playoffs? Like, I don't think that works because I think – you know, the, the teams need a little time to get back into it. You know, they want to make sure that guys are in rhythm and healthy and everything like that. But, you know, at this at the same time, then they're, they're going to bring all these guys back for a bunch of games that, you know, only kind of matter and will kind of have like a preseason feel to them because, you know, everybody's just kind of looking forward to the playoffs anyway. So, you know, there's just all these questions. I guess I'm curious to know, like, if they would just, you know, if, if, if they would consider not even counting the games when the actual league comes back. Because again, you know, these are, these are going to have a preseason-y type feel to them. Everybody kind of knows that, you know, that nobody's like, nobody's going to be in rhythm. It's just, it's going to be a really strange vibe. And I'll be curious to see if they are willing to try anything kind of unorthodox or outside the box thinking, or if they try to get a little creative with it, because, you know, I don't think that you can just kind of go back to business as usual and just, you know, toss players back on on the floor and say, go get it. Like, I think they're going to have to try to come up with something that gives guys a chance to kind of work their way back in. Right. And like, even before that, it's just, 
how is the league going to determine that, like, okay, it is safe to resume play? Yeah. <laughs> like, that is going to, I think it's going to be a fascinating conversation. And I imagine that they're all going to be in communication. Um, like, when they first decided to cut down locker room access, that was a joint statement from the NBA, NHL, MLS, and MLB. So I imagine all the leagues are going to be in communication about, like, when they can sort of resume action. But it's going to be just interesting to see when they find that point because I assume that they're going to have to resume action before like coronavirus is completely like eradicated so it's like okay where's that line and then no team wants to be the first or no league wants to be the first ones to come back I think just because you don't want to look sort of over aggressive and wanting to get money and all that stuff. So I don't know. It just it it will be very interesting to see how everything plays out. And the other thing to remember too is like you talk about you know wanting wanting to make money and you know obviously the uh, the league is is interested in that. The players are really interested in that as well because every game that they play or every game that they miss you know that that cuts into their TV money. Every game that they miss that cuts into the ticket revenue money. That's all money that the players would get about half of you know, split up between them as part of the basket, you know, the basketball related income, free agents are going to be paid so much less this year. Like if you want to have a guarantee that Gordon Hayward is coming back next season, this is doing it because the market for free agents is going to be so low and he can opt into $30 million. So like this is going to have a lot of impacts like beyond just this season, this is going to have a lot of impact on the summer. It's going to, um, you know, it's going to, it's really, it's going to determine how much money guys can make. And, and I think, I will be curious to see how that factors into everybody's decision because it's not going to just be the league that is motivated to do this. Like, obviously the players want to stay safe. Obviously the league wants to keep its fans safe, but you know, there's going to be financial decisions that come into this as well. And you know, if, if that means if they can get back on the floor, even if fans aren't in the arena, just to get some of that TV money back, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, people are, are ready to jump at that chance if it's safe. And speaking of free agency, I am also slightly amused by the fact that if the league does resume play in July, say, there will be some players with, like, expiring contracts or maybe expired contracts by that point already. So it's like, okay, do they try and change the language? Like, it's easy to say, like, oh, they can just extend it and delay everything. But, like, no, these are, like, signed terms in, like, actual written contracts that would then have to be adjusted. So then it's like, and I doubt that they would do this, but it would be funny if players could then sign like 14 day or 10 day contracts (laughs) with like playoff contenders and like things like that. And there would be like more player movement. But it's just, there's such a, you reach a point of, there's such a ripple effect. Like, are the Olympics happening? Will summer league happen? Like, when's the draft? Like, now that's scouting probably, I'm sure is affected. Like, the domino effect is just... It's endless, it seems. Yeah, and to your point about contracts, it's it's going to be really interesting because this is contracts are not something that the union can just vote on. Like you can't just get two thirds of a vote to say, okay, we want to push this back. Um, you know, okay, we're, we're going to like push the entire season back, including you know the the, the moratorium or whatever. Like a player, let's you know, in a weird scenario, let's say a player is unhappy on a playoff team that player is under a contract. Like there is, there is language in the contract that would, you know, that says, you know, my deal is up on X date. I, you know, and and that, you know, 
could really complicate things because the the players union might have an idea of what it wants to do and the NBA might agree with it. But if that player disagrees, then, you know, his contract says that he's allowed to. So, I mean, this is like you said, the ripple effects are, are, are pretty insane and it's, you know, it's, it's going to be a real process to watch them all unfold. And, and I, you know, the thing that we haven't really touched on yet is what if the season is just over? Because I think that's definitely in the cards. You know, you look at all the potential complications, you look at how beneficial it might be for the NBA to have a couple of extra months to see how bad the situation gets. Like it really could make a lot of sense to just shut everything down, you know, let it go. Obviously it, it sucks to see a season end this way, but I think it's pretty reasonable to think that that might happen. Yeah, agreed. I feel like this situation, like we've mentioned so many times, is so fluid and so uncertain that I feel like there's going to be a lot of waffling over the next, like, 30 days of, like, oh, yeah, the season's definitely canceled. There's no way this is happening to, like, depending on what news or updates came out, like, oh, my God, like, no, the playoffs are going to start. Like, everything's going to be fine. So it's it's just, I guess all we can do is wait. (laughs) All right, so if there are no more NBA games... What will you miss, Tom? So for me, the biggest thing that I'll miss, I mean, obviously, you know, just from a Celtics perspective, it has been really, really fun to watch Jason Tatum emerge. And I would love to see him do that in the playoffs when the games really matter. We've seen him perform at a super high level in games that really felt important, like the Clippers game, actually, you know, both games against the Clippers, both games against the Lakers. He's been really, really good. It would be fun to watch him in the postseason. He has figured things out on such an unbelievable level so far this season. We've heard a lot of talk from the coaching staff about how he has this, you know, mentally he can just kind of pick things up immediately. He can just, you know, see a move and then do it like in a game or he can, you know, see see the other team do something and then pick up on it in the defensive concepts. Like he's... He's been really, really impressive to watch. And obviously, you know, health and safety comes first, obviously. But missing Jason Tatum's third year emergence, this has been the year that he became a star, a superstar, whatever you want to call him. To, to just be kind of robbed of the chance to see him in the postseason, I think would be kind of sad because he's been so much fun to watch so far. So that I think that would, for me, that would be the biggest thing that I would miss. Yeah, for sure. I feel like sort of related to that just like if he can sustain that that obviously increases the Celtics chances of being contenders and that's like really what I was looking forward to I felt like we had reached a point in the regular season where we sat where we sort of like just knew what the Celtics were if that made sense um and then they just needed to get back to like full strength have everyone healthy Mm -hmm. and then okay Mm -hmm. what can this team do in the playoffs and so the Celtics had like 19 games, I think, left on the schedule. And really in those 19 games, it was a matter of like, okay, like, can they stay healthy? Like, will Kemba's knee be okay? And sort of what can this team do? And I don't know if we'll have that answer. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you look at the the Celtics starting lineup, they've been so impressive and we haven't seen them very much because, you know, with the starting lineup, obviously of, of uh, you know, Kemba, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Gordon Hayward, Daniel Tice. Somebody's been hurt from that group a lot this year. Like we had Gordon Hayward broke his hand. You know, Jason Tatum missed some time. Jalen Brown's missed a bunch of time. Kemba Walker missed a bunch of time. Like these guys haven't had very many opportunities to all play together at once. And I do feel like, you know, it's 
we've kind of missed out on seeing that. And, you know, if you, I mean, if you look at the numbers, they're one of the better five man units in the league, despite playing so many minutes together, like they've, they've been really impressive and, you know, whether or not they could take down the bucks who are an absolute juggernaut or whether or not, if they somehow did, if they could actually beat the Lakers, you know, four times out of seven or the Clippers four times out of seven, I have no idea, but that's, you know, that's why you play the games. That's why you hopefully get a chance to see the games. And, um, you know, we, obviously we don't know if the season's going to be shut down or not, but there would be some real, um, you know, so, some real things that we would miss uh, from a Celtics perspective that, you know, hopefully we would get to see next year. Hopefully, you know, sound like, again, I think Gordon Hayward will be back because it doesn't make much sense for him to opt out. And Daniel Tice is still under contract and, you know, Jason Tatum is going to be, they're going to be in, you know, as soon as they're allowed to legally, they're going to have a max contract in front of that guy. So they'll probably look very similar next year, but you know, next year is next year. It might be very different. If the Celtics do, however, continue in the NBA, continue their season this year and the league just immediately goes into the playoffs, the Celtics will play the Philadelphia 76ers in the first round. So I'm into it. <laughs> the spice will be there from the get-go. Yeah. So there's something to look forward to. Um, a couple of uh, sort of stray points that we wanted to, uh, that we just wanted to hit on. Um, I, I just wanted to say, I really do hope that the league takes care of its arena workers. The, you know, a lot of people here who, you know, maybe might be working like low wage, minimum wage jobs, whatever it might be. You know, they rely on this part-time job for, for money. And, you know, I, I did think it was kind of tone deaf that the, when the Warriors came out and said that they were going to be playing in front of no fans, that some of their uh, higher ups were like, yeah, you know, don't feel bad for us, feel bad for the arena workers. And it's like, yeah, man, like the, obviously, like, I don't feel bad for you. You're, you know, you've got a lot of money. These, these people might not. So I do hope that the league takes care of them. I thought it was really cool that Kevin Love, you know, came out and uh, gave $100,000 to Cleveland arena workers. And I thought it was even cooler that it sounds like the Cavaliers, according to Chris Fedor of cleveland.com, the Cavaliers are taking care of their workers. They're paying them for the hours that they would have worked had there been events. So that's, uh, you know, hopefully people, I don't know how often anybody has ever said this, hopefully people follow the Cavaliers example. And, uh, you know, again, take care of some people who, are really going to need it over this next little while. Obviously, there's a lot of industries that are that are going to suffer, but if this is one where the NBA can kind of, uh, you know, assuage some of that suffering, I think that would be really good. Yeah, and like like you said, this is I feel like emblematic of a lot of industries right now, like the restaurant industry, hotels, just people like Kevin Love said in his post, like this can provide a lot of anxiety for people just sort of the uncertainty and stuff so if you can make a difference in any way like you should definitely. and obviously you should if you have like a billion dollars definitely <laughs> agreed so nicole this is this has been the first episode of Geno time it is a very strange situation uh in the nba we tried to record this podcast at least i mean what five six times now and we've had technical difficulties every single time uh, but we're really excited to bring this to you guys and we're excited to kind of keep it going through uh, through however long this hiatus is. Yes. So that, like Tom said, this is like take five. So if we sound really uninteresting or like <laughs> dull, it's totally because of that and not true of reflective of what the podcast will be like in the future. 
We hope anyway. We have uh, we we have a lot of guests lined up for you. We will you know try to keep things as fresh as possible through this. Um, you know this is gonna be uh, this is gonna be a strange stretch of you know following the NBA of, of following sports in general. But you know we'll uh, we'll all get through it together. And uh, we're grateful to you guys for listening. So wash your hands, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.